This is ELT Today, brought to you by Frameworks Education Group. For anyone considering entering into the English language teaching profession, the world is diverse, and in some cases, you can build your program around what you are passionate about. This month, we talked to Magdalena Brzezinska, an English language teacher based in Poland. She is working with teens on activity and project-based learning programs that include location-based learning, video and stop-motion. endless makeup videos, the YouTubers, the celebrity culture and narcissism, you can find a poem written by the American poet Emily Dickinson, published in 1891. I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? There's a pair of us. Don't tell. That banish us, you know. How dreary to be somebody, how public, like a frog. To tell your name the livelong day to an admiring bog. Magdalena Brzezinska is a great admirer of Emily Dickinson and is, as she calls herself, just a regular EFL teacher with her head down doing her job and concerning herself primarily with the enabling of her students. She has been a regular EFL teacher for over 20 years and a teacher trainer for 10. She also speaks regularly at conferences, sharing and contributing to the ELT profession with her passion for global issues. As for teaching, I, I never really wanted to be a teacher. Uh, <laughs> I, my vision of that profession was quite accurate. I, I knew that it was a lot, a lot of hard work, but it was not... Um, it was not very appreciated and uh, well no I'm just I'm joking but uh, I could see teachers at our schools and I knew that uh, you know they were very exhausted tired and uh, maybe underpaid mm. so it was never something that I wanted to follow I wanted to do something more artistic have a job that would uh, allow me to travel a lot mm. uh, but I had a wonderful English teacher and you know a couple of people uh, along the way also her name is Anna Moczulska, and um, she's very special because first she was my high school teacher, then she was my boss, and finally she was my colleague. And, you know, with uh, maybe one handbook available on the market back then, she was still able to teach us very professionally. She was still able to, um, you know, to actually evoke some love for English mm. in us, even though we were behind the Iron Curtain. And I think, you know, she's, um, she's a genius. I don't know how she did it. She was just amazing. And, and um, with all her support, with all her expertise, um, her wonderful sense of humor, mm -hmm. I think that she was just the best teacher I could possibly have. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, w with her personality, I just couldn't resist. It, it was, um, she was, she was um, so devoted. She was so, such a great person. How did she become an English teacher herself? Oh, that's a good question. I have no idea. I don't really know. I know that she had some teachers in her family, but I don't know if this was the reason or maybe she was also in love uh, with English. I don't, I don't know. Because at that time she wouldn't have traveled, wouldn't have been able to travel very much. 
Uh, no, she she couldn't. But I know that she had some friends in Great Britain, mm. and um, and she visited them um, from some uh, from time to time. But I know it was very difficult. Initially, you know, you weren't keen about uh, teaching, but Not you much. were lucky enough to have someone who inspired you who was your English teacher and That's she right. became your colleague. How did you train? Where did you, you know, how did it all sort of happen? Uh, you know, the first thing was my high school. Uh, we had uh, like an extended program of English. Uh, but as I, as I said, we just had one handbook. Uh, back then in Poland, we didn't have many resources. Of course, no internet whatsoever, nothing of that kind. Mm. So we, we, we were just trying to cope with what we had. And she was a teacher excellent enough to actually prepare me for my university studies. And I ended up at uh, one of the best universities in Poland, uh, Adam Mickiewicz University in Poznan. Mm. And they had a wonderful English philology. Mm. And um, the person who was in charge back then, he did his best to bring uh, in native speakers to Poland. Mm. So, you know, he, he had some wonderful, amazing contacts in Great Britain, uh, in the United States. And he just, you know, he just brought all these people here to Poland to, to ask Polish uh, students of English. Mm. And um, it was it made such a difference. You know, it opened us up and um, it offered us opportunities we have never even dreamed of having. Where are you working now? Who are you working with? I freelance most of the time, but I'm also um, a part of... Uh, uh, youth Cultural Center here in Poznan, and I'm also a part of this Erasmus Plus project I discussed a while ago. Um, and I'm also involved in a number of projects that I organize or um, I just, you know, participate in. So it's it's a mixture of everything. But, um, well, maybe my main, let's say, professional workplace right now would be this Youth Cultural Center. Oh, I don't know. They are challenging, but they are also very, I don't know, they, they give you so much energy and they, uh, they demand from you. So you want to learn more, to teach them more. And uh, of course, there are hormones and this is sometimes a big obstacle. But uh, yeah, I guess, you know, they are, I just, I just love this age group. They, they are so promising. It seems like you've got quite a lot of freedom to design your programs. How does that work? Oh, that's right. You know, at the beginning of the year, I just need to submit my um, suggested curriculum to uh, to the teachers, to the principals, mm -hmm. and they either approve it or dis disapprove it. But so far they have, so <laughs> so I'm fine. Yeah. But I yes, as you said, this is what I love. I have a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. And as long as uh, it's acceptable and as long as uh, what I'm doing is related to English and draws participants. <laughs> In the past, our teaching community consisted mainly of the teachers that we shared our immediate surroundings with. That was definitely true for me for many years. Today, as English language teachers, there's a wealth of active professional learning networks, or PLNs, that help us connect with each other and professionals beyond our sector that can enrich our own learning. 
Magdalena is active in her wider teaching community and through these connections, projects and opportunities to try new ideas come her way. I think it was two or three years ago, um, this museum educator from Israel got in touch with me on, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And um, she knew that I was a teacher. She knew that I was um, a fan of projects. Mm -hmm. And um, she said that uh, she is a co-creator uh, of an online platform called The Wandering. And um, it's a free one. And I could use it with my students to create uh, some interactive activities. Mm. For example, you know, um, they, they should be focused on our city or um, some objects of interest in our city. And I was interested, but initially I just um, experimented with the platform myself. Mm. So I created two online walks just for my friends and I saw this worked. And uh, then I saw, I said, okay, so I may, I may use such a walk in my professional career too. And my teams were interested. So uh, that's what we did. We selected uh, a couple of spots that were of some interest to teens and we made them interactive. We combined them into a walk around the city where a teen could have fun, but also learn something. And uh, the added value of course was using English so they used English to select locations, to discuss why those locations, to um, decide what to do uh, mm -hmm. in all those places, how to make them attractive to a teen like themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, the process of putting this online was quite arduous, but so uh, I guess we succeeded. <laughs> how, uh, so how does the app actually work? So you, you have your phone and you, you're told to go to a certain place. Are you given, is it sort of like a, a, a wide uh, treasure hunt type of style game? Yes, or? yes, yes. It's like that. It's mm -hmm. like that. It's um, you, you uh, are given some directions to go to a place. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a clue. Sometimes it's a riddle. Sometimes it's just a photo. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes uh, it's a map. Mm -hmm. Uh, once you're there, you are given a task to perform, and sometimes there is an option of sharing. So you can choose if you want your uh, participant to, to upload a photograph or maybe a poem or maybe a video or maybe some, I don't know, whatever, some answer to a question. Hmm. And it's, um, yeah, it, I think it can be very attractive for teens or for any age group, actually, which is... Uh, all the more amazing as I'm actually not a huge fan of IT. <laughs> and um, yes, I'm not a fan of, uh, of new technologies, but I acknowledge uh, that, you know, they are here and I acknowledge their importance and their presence. Mm. And also, I think that they are quite attractive for, for teens as well. So, yeah, the process of the project, um, what kind of challenges did you have as a teacher? Uh, I'm not sure if anything surprised me, but uh, we did have some problems. Uh, one of them was hormones, as I said. Mm -hmm. Teens are, you know, teens are teens, and they're unpredictable at times. You don't know what's going to work with them and what is not. And sometimes something works, and sometimes the same thing doesn't. Sometimes with projects that last for a longer period of time, um, it's 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 a little bit too difficult to keep focus and to like maintain the initial in enthusiasm, change the perspective maybe, or add some new activities, go back to, to, to the project with the, with the initial um, drive and, and energy. What was very difficult technically, we just have one computer. And in this particular group, I have five students. Mm. So um, 
sometimes I had to alternate some online activities and offline activities. I had to group them because, uh, you know, all of them couldn't be at the same computer at the same time. Describe those students. Where are they from? Why are they in your class? Well, they're not from one um, particular district in our town. They just, uh, they came to the center because they wanted more. Uh, maybe that's why working with them is so rewarding because uh, it's actually their initiative. It's not something they have to do. It's not a school. It's not something that they are required to do. It's not obligatory. So, exactly. so it's funded by the local government. government. That is, yes. yeah, that, that is interesting because that means, yeah, their the intrinsic motivation is it's high, it? huge. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I love about them. You know, and sometimes even if they have a sore throat, even if they are coughing, even if they have a runny nose, they still come because they want to. What is the pressure on on um, Polish teenagers with language learning? Uh, you know, there is a lot of pressure on school kids in general. Mm -hmm. And I think that our schools are very, uh, I don't know, Prussian system based still. And they are very traditional. Uh, a lot of rote learning is involved. And um, yes, and a lot of memorizing, a lot of, uh, you know, dates, a lot of data. And it's really hard. I, I, th I really admire my teens because I think that if they find time and energy to come to me, in addition to this type of school, it's amazing. It says something then about the kind of course that you're providing then. Yes, I think so. Absolutely. I think that, you know, first of all, I'm not a fan of uh, our traditional school and the, this type of teaching. But also I feel that if I want to, um, if I want to have students, if, if I want them to come and, and enjoy my classes, they need to be different. They, they cannot be the same as the classes they have in school. How do you build rapport with your teens? What do you think is your formula that seems to work? Oh, wow. <laughs> Can I have another question? <laughs> That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I don't know. I don't really know. It's uh, like I test out things with them mm -hmm. and I see what works and what doesn't. I, I give them... Um, I know some framework maybe or some suggestions and then we try to to figure out what works for us. Do you often sort of give them choices about what you're going to work on and how? I think that I may be imposing some things on them like maybe what we are working on mm. but the how is mostly on them. It's not fully negotiated because um, Okay, let me let me tell you an anecdote which is completely unrelated to what we are talking about, but it is to making choices. So when my son, who is now 17, was uh, three years old, uh, I was taking this course for parents because I, I felt a little bit insecure, insecure. I felt a little bit insecure, so I wanted to to learn how to be a good parent. And um, they always told us that it's good to give your child a choice. And I said, okay, so let's practice. And I took my son to uh, some clothes shop and it was autumn and I wanted him to pick up a jacket, mm. an autumn jacket. And he picked one that was pink. Mm -hmm. And I was not actually prepared <laughs> for such a choice. 
<laughs> so, you know, I, 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 of course, well, that's not a very good thing to say, but I refused. Mm. And when I returned to my class, this um, instructor said, okay, yes, but you made one huge mistake. Of course, you should have given him the choice, but first you should pre-select things to choose from. And, you know, this was so, this was eye-opening. This was really eye-opening. So that's basically what I do with my students now. That's, you know, that's the long story that leads to my answer. So, you know, I just give them the choice, but a limited one. I think that right now, uh, you know, our wonderful project that is not finished yet is making the stop motion video. And I'm very curious what's to become of that. And maybe I will try to do something also that something that would also be focused on videos. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure yet because uh, it's such a vast area, but I think that they are enjoying this tremendously. Uh, here, one big problem is communication in the foreign language. Because, you know, when you get engrossed in something and it's something attractive and all the other people in your group speak Polish, you just tend to switch automatically. So that's what they sometimes do. And I really have to insist uh, on the use of English. So um, it may be something related to videos, but uh, I need to really think hard about how to make them speak English more or all the time. Would you consider yourself to be these days a teacher who or an educator who uses, who's, English is the medium for exactly. communication. And that's why I like the older groups, and that's why I like teens whose proficiency or, you know, maybe the level of language is uh, or language knowledge skills is higher, mm. because I can use language as a medium instead mm. of as a goal. Yes, absolutely, you're 100% right. What makes native speakers... Um, a subject of my envy or jealousy is that language is something that they are born with and they live with. So, you know, they whatever they do, they already have the language. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, you know, each activity is doubled because, first of all, I need to work on my language and then I need to work, uh, you know, on this activity. Magdalena believes that regular EFL teachers have a lot to contribute. Bita Rezaí, director of the inaugural IELTA conference that took place in Tehran earlier in 2017, argues that English is an important language, politics aside, because it can empower, it gives voice, it enables people to cross borders and talk with their neighbours. I have this, this um, amazing friend, it's another girl that I met, um, in Boston, one of the 120 uh, teenage leaders, it, she's from Haiti, and her English is very basic, very, very basic, but she became a teacher in her community, and I really admire her, you know, just with a few English words that she knows, she's already a teacher, and she's passing on this knowledge, and I really, I, I really admire and appreciate any teacher who hardly has any contact with English, you know, uh, no internet whatsoever, and still they strive to, to be teachers. Teachers are among the great enablers, yet for the most part they go about their day quietly. There they are in the staff rooms, 
standing by the photocopier or in the classroom early to set up activities. In the evenings, over their lesson plans, they can become those inspirational people that others will refer to later in their lives as the catalysts of enabling, catalysts of change. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Frameworks Education Group podcast, ELT Today.